Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gents. Today we will have an Oscar special with WTOP Entertainment Editor Jason Fraley. You can follow Jason on Instagram at above the fray, that's lowercase, and on Twitter at jfraywtop, that's capital J, capital F, uh, capital WTOP. And also you can follow him at the website, wtop.com forward slash entertainment. Now Jason is a living encyclopedia of Oscar history and Today, we're going to be covering the Oscar categories of Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Actor, Best Director, and Best Picture. I see he is on the line. Let me go ahead and bring him on the air. Good afternoon, Jason. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me back on, William. All right, man, it's always a pleasure. You know so much about so many things. And I just want to plunge right into, before we get to the Oscars, actually I wanted to plunge into uh, the success of Black Panther. It seems like it's um, really, really breaking all the records. Do you think that success is because of demographics or because of the quality of the film? Uh, Demographics definitely factor in, but I think mostly it is just because the quality, like you're saying. I think it's just a really well-made movie. It's perfectly (laughs) – the the artistry is amazing. Uh, It's just well-crafted by director Ryan Coogler. Um, I was excited before Black Panther even came out. I had really high hopes in it, mostly because of Coogler. Um, I don't know if a lot of your listeners remember, but he came on the scene when he won – Dance back in 2013 um, with a little indie right. called Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station, yeah. Um, about a young African American that was killed. A true story. Um, out at a at a, a train station, Fruitvale Station, out in Oakland. Um, and I think it came out right around the same week that the Trayvon Martin verdict came in. Um, and it was just an amazing little movie. It was it was heartbreaking, and it starred Michael B. Jordan, who um, was in um, was in Black Panther. Um, and then his second movie uh, was Creed, which uh, breathed new life into the Rocky franchise that a lot of people um, thought was dead. I mean, the first one won Best Picture, and it was amazing, but after, you know, seven or eight sequels, we kind of were hoping it. And then all of a sudden, Ryan Coogler comes, and all of a sudden he's doing this. You know, I remember the middle fight scene in the boxing match in, in Creed was was uh, this long single take that where the where the camera never cut, you know? It circled the two fighters in the middle of the ring, the bell rang, and it went over to the one corner. And then the camera kept rolling, came back to the middle, and they fought again, and then it went back to the other corner. So I knew this guy, Brian Coogler, had it in him. Um, so but when he when he got tapped for Black Panther, um, you see a lot of those same single takes here. There's that fight in the middle uh, where Chadwick Boseman is fighting uh, Andy Serkis, who we all loved as, as Gollum in Lord of the Rings. But he's right. a live-action character here. They have that big fight sequence in South Korea here in the, in the casino, and there's a, a similar um, long single shot there as, uh, as we go from the first floor up to the balcony, and, and the action continues. So I think Coogler just dominated this um, from a directorial standpoint, not to mention the cast and the, the script was a, it's a great origin story, similar to, to Wonder Woman last year. It kind of introduced us. Um, we kind of got to see this superhero 
his arc, you know, see him rise from his origins, unlike, you know, a lot of the superhero movies lately have been um, uh, sort of dropping in midway into the story and leaving before it's really over because they're, you know, they're usually these sequels and superhero team-ups. So I thought that was refreshing. Um, and then uh, just for the fact that, um, you know, Chadwick Boseman's character T'Challa, I thought it was almost sort of like a Shakespearean role, sort of like a Hamlet or Lion King, which was Hamlet, you know, sort of the brother-uncle scars going on there. And then the villain right. in this, Michael B. Jordan. I thought um, I thought he was giving believable motivations this time. I feel like a lot of these superhero movies, the villain is just evil for evil's sake. Uh, he's out to destroy right. the world, and we're not sure why. But here we we understood that both the, the childhood sort of revenge grudges that Michael B. Jordan's character had, uh, Killmonger, <laughs> and uh, but also some of the historical reasons he wanted to. Uh, payback for, you know, the enslavement uh, of his people by, you know, British colonials. Um, so I just thought it was working on so many different levels. It was a social commentary and a fun, entertaining movie, too. And I'm just pleased for all of its success. I hope it keeps crushing at the box office because I think it'll dispel many of those old uh, uh, myths that all the, you know, the old white guys yeah. that hold the purse strings in Hollywood, um, you know, that, that black doesn't travel, that, uh, you know, that it, will, it won't do well overseas. You know, it's going to crash all those myths. And um, I, hope it, I hope it just really is an eye-opening uh, thing for a lot of the money people in Hollywood to say, you know what, uh, a, a diverse cast and diverse filmmakers will enhance your box office when well done. It doesn't detract from it. Like, let's, let's get rid of those myths. So I'm thrilled. Yeah, man, it's it's really uh, exciting times. That's that's a fantastic film. So let's just jump right into the Oscars. So the first category I want you to talk about here today, Jason, is uh, actress in a supporting role. So we've got uh, Mary J. Blige from Mudbone. Uh, we've got uh, Allison Janney from I, Tanya. Uh, Leslie Manville from uh, Phantom Thread. Uh, Laurie Metcalf uh, in Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. So talk about that in your prediction. Uh, well, first of all, in terms of just the nominees, I would have, um, as much as I love Octavia Spencer as an actress, and she obviously won for the help in this category, I didn't think her role in Shape of Water was anything, I mean, she was kind of a janitor sidekick. She really didn't, wasn't, it wasn't that juicy of a role. I would have rather seen uh, maybe like Holly Hunter for the big sick in that final spot. But other than that, I think it's a, a really deserving uh, little group. In terms of who I think is going to um, – the, the front runner here in, in terms of who's been winning all the previous awards from the Golden Globes to SAG to everything um, is Allison Janney and I, Tanya, as, um, you know, sort of the chain-smoking, strict helicopter parent of um, Tanya Harding in that movie. Um, and – so I think she is the she's a safe bet. I think she's pretty much a lock to to win here, just based on that she's winning everything else. And she's had a long, great career too. So you know, I, I, it's definitely deserving. Um, she, I remember in the movie, she had the, she, you know, she turns and breaks the fourth wall and and says, uh, "Where the where the bleep is my storyline?" Like she, she hadn't been on screen in a while, so it cuts to her and she. So and I remember that just made the whole uh, house just howl in laughter. Wow, that's um, so it's funny. Just, it's, yeah, it's like the juiciest um, role here, and um, but so I'll be happy to see her win. Um, but to me, I actually think um, I, I would rather it go to to Laurie Metcalf, who we all remember from Roseanne. She played Roseanne's sister in that show. Um, she was she played the mom in in Lady Bird here, sort of um, 
uh, I think it's more of a like Allison Janney's role in Itania is, is sort of a flashy one that everyone is going to vote for because it's a great role and it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but I think Laurie Metcalf was almost a more challenging role. She had to to play, you know, the the strict mom, but at the same time she loves her daughter. At the same time she, you know, is dealing working at a hospital. You, you got to see like a lot of different sides to to Laurie Metcalf, almost like three performances in one. I thought it was a little more of a challenge role, and I would like to see a good order for Lady Bird. But I think Allison Janney's got it. That's my final answer. <laughs> All right. We will see on Sunday. Yes, March 4th. <laughs> okay, Jason. So let's move on to actor in a supporting role. So you got uh, Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project, Woody Harrelson in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Then you've got Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer, and all the money in the world, and I know he did that one on short notice. And yeah, when Kevin Sam, dropped out. Yeah, yeah. Then you got Sam Rockwell in uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So talk about those and who you think will win. Um, once again, I think I think we have an, uh, a pretty much of a lock here. Um, Sam Rockwell from Three Billboards has been winning all of the previous awards from the Globes to the SAG. Um, and he, which, which ironically, I actually, I actually preferred uh, Woody Harrelson from the same movie better. Um, neither has has won an Oscar before, so I'd almost, I would rather, personally, rather see it go to Woody. I thought his, um, you know, ailing sheriff, you know, he's battling cancer, and there was a kind of a twist in that with his character that I didn't see coming too. Um, I just thought he was a more well-rounded character and a little more sympathetic than uh, than Sam Rockwell. If you remember, Rockwell played the 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 deputy in the town um, that's working under Woody Harrelson. Um, very, I think the character is kind of written as, as sort of a racist and he, he's sort of grappling with his prejudices through the, through, through the journey of this movie. And, but I, I don't know if he actually really, you know, I guess we're supposed to believe he overcomes some of the prejudices, but I really wasn't sold on that. I thought his character was a little bit more cartoonish. And so I don't know. I, um, it, it's been kind of surprising mm. to me to watch Sam Rockwell, running away with this thing during the festival circuit. Um, I would rather see um, it go to Woody. Um, or, or it's possible that those two, three billboards boys uh, split the vote, and then uh, let's say like a Willem Dafoe slides in uh, for the Florida Project. I don't know if you if you caught that little indie gem, but he played the owner of this rundown motel that was located in the in the shadows of Disney World down in Orlando. Um, it was a great little performance, and Dafoe's been great in so many things over the years from – um, you know, my favorite is probably Platoon when he was in that back in '86. Um, but uh, so yeah, I'd say I'm pulling for for Woody or or Defoe. But I I think at this point it looks like the writing's on the wall and uh, Sam Rockwell's got it locked up. All right, okay, we will find out. Okay, so let's <laughs> move on to best actress in a leading role. So we've got. Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie in I, Tanya, and you have, um, I had to might butcher this uh, pronunciation here, <laughs> but you got uh, Sarah, Sarah uh, I give up. It's Sarisi Ronan. I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> It's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, Lady Bird, and then uh, Meryl Streep in uh, The Post. So talk about those. 
Yeah, um, again, it, it looks like it's uh, based on all the other previous awards so far this year. Um, Francis McDormand is sort of the front runner here for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, if you'll remember, she played um, she's sort of a, a grieving mother whose daughter was, was raped and murdered, and, and it, but it's become a, a cold case in, in the little town of Ebbing, Missouri. So she takes out three billboards, um, kind of prodding the police, you know, why, why, why haven't you done anything about this yet? And I think I think the reason that it's been connecting so much with voters this year is I think that that sort of idea of a mother trying to solve her daughter's rape and murder, um, I think it really fits into the, you know, the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement, like a lot of the social themes that have been going on um, off the screen this year um, around the country. And so I think a lot of voters are kind of leaning in that way in Hollywood uh, to Francis. And it would be deserving. I mean, she's a great actress. Um, She won... Uh, about 20 years, uh, more than 20 years ago, for the Coen Brothers uh, for Fargo. Remember, she played um, March Gunderson, the pregnant uh, detective, in that movie. And if she wins here, this is sort of the the other side of the coin, where now she's uh, the mom trying to urge the detective to <laughs> to, to investigate the case. Um, so it would be, I would be totally fine if if she um, if she won her, her second one. Um, I'm I'm kind of rooting for. I would I just personally would think it'd be cool if someone could. Um, win their first Oscar since Francis has already won one. I think it'd be cool if, if right. Saoirse Ronan got it for, for Lady Bird. Um, just simply because, I mean, just like you said with her name, is hard to pronounce it. She, she's Irish, and if you actually hear her <laughs> talk in real life, if you realize that you watch this, she's playing this, like, teenager in Sacramento, California with a spot-on American accent. When you actually hear her talk in real life, you're like, oh, well, that's acting. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, I I thought she, I thought she carried Lady Bird. Um, I you know it would also be cool if Margot Robbie got it for I Tanya. She's never won before. Um, or or even I thought Meryl Streep was great in the post. I mean, I feel like a lot of times she's nominated every year. This was her record twenty first nomination um, as Kay Graham, uh, the the publisher of the Washington Post during the the Pentagon Papers, which sort of allowed the Post to become a national force to, you know, expose Watergate down the line and all the president's men. This is sort of a prequel to all the president's men. Um, But um, I would say that the smart money is is definitely Norman for three billboards. And, um, you know, I, I actually think that one's pretty deserving, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with that one. All right, Jason, so we're going to move on to uh, actor in a leading role. Uh, We've got uh, Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, uh, Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. What do you think about those? Uh, I actually think this is the category that is the biggest block of all of them. I think I think Gary Oldman has this locked up for uh, Darkest Hour, um, in which he played Winston Churchill, um, sort of during the early early run of his time as prime minister um, um, in the lead up to, to World War II. You know, um, parliaments trying to appease Hitler, and he and he jumps in there and has the big line from the trailer too. You can't reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. And uh, it's just a big <laughs> kind of role. It's the kind of role like, you know, like Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln that he wanted. It's like that big prestige picture, gravitas role that, that um, you know, traditionally uh, the best actor usually goes to. And the fact that Gary Oldman hasn't won after such a long career, you know, it's, I mean, he was serious black in Harry Potter, Commissioner Gordon in The Dark Knight. He was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spot. He's had a long run. Um, yeah. The fact he hasn't, 
the fact that he hasn't won yet, I think, I think bodes in his favor. And um, especially because he's just so transformative in this. I mean, it, I, the prosthetics they used to transform him into looking like uh, Winston Churchill were, was pretty impressive. I mean, it, it doesn't even look like him at all if you do a side-by-side photo. And, you know, but not just that, he transformed his body movement and the, his dialogue delivery. He kind of mumbled around and he was sort of uh, boozing, boozing at breakfast while, while basically keeping the, the free world. And we, we forget how much a, on a knife's edge we were there during that time because and there was a great scene in that movie too where where he he calls fdr here in america trying to to get our our aid and and you know america you know we didn't want to stick our neck out for anybody at that point uh to steal a casablanca line um so we we kind of really appreciated uh winston churchill's place sort of that linchpin that sort of held the free world together and i think uh gary oldman captured it brilliantly so um i think i think he's a lot of yeah yeah, he's been around a while. He's just very versatile actor. I always like to watch him. It's it's going to be, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much a lock. Yeah, the the interesting thing too is, um, you know, it's, um, it's Daniel Day Lewis's last role, and he's nominated for Phantom Thread. Uh, and um, they they said he claims he's retiring after this. So, you know, um, in any other year, you know, maybe you could see the Academy going in that as sort of a final send off, but he's, he's won, you know, three times already. I think, I think they'll spread it to someone else this year. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, let's go to directing. You've got, uh, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, get out, uh, Jordan Peele, uh, Lady Bird, uh, Greta Gerwig, in uh, Phantom Thread, you've got uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. And then uh, The Shape of Water, you've got uh, Guillermo del Toro. So what's your prediction there? Yeah, uh, looking at those nominees, um, there's one person I think was was missing, which was uh, Dee Reese. She um, directed Mudbound, which I think got criminally overlooked this year. <laughs> of, of these nominees... Um, I would say the safe money is on Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Um, it, was, it was such a such a visual feast of a movie, and uh, you know um, the voters tend to reward those kind of movies in the directing category lately. Even if they don't win Best Picture, a lot of time they kind of split the vote, and they'll award sort of that that visual visionary artist um, here in the directing category. They did it with um, Alfonso Cuarón in, in Gravity, uh, Ang Lee in Life Pi. Um, Damien Giselle La La Land, um, Alejandro Inarritu in The Revenant. Like, none of those four movies ended up winning Best Picture, but they, there's been a split the last couple of years, and they usually give the visual artistry to directors. So I think that's what's going to happen for Guillermo del Toro um, here in The Shape of Water. Um, I, I also think the Academy kind of wants to make up for snubbing him back uh, about a decade ago for Pan's Labyrinth, which was an amazingly, you know, a visually amazing yeah. uh, fantasy. Um and I think uh, it was nominated for Best Foreign Language uh, Film, but it, it didn't win, and, and uh, Del Toro didn't win director for that year either. So I think it's it's one of those cases where he's been sort of a, a darling of Hollywood um, and of international cinema, and uh, it's been he's had a long enough run here where he's been respected that this is finally the movie I think that'll get him over the hump. Um, personally, I, I I kind of also think you could make a case for Christopher Nolan and Dunkirk, um, another filmmaker that's been around with us for like. 15, 20 years, you know, Memento, The Dark Knight, Inception, so many, so many great visionary movies there, and he's never won won an Oscar for director either. Um, and Dunkirk was such a 
Um, I mean, I, while, while I admit the, the script sort of left me a little emotionally cold, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a melodramatic right. thing like a Private Ryan or something. But from a directing standpoint, right. um, very groundbreaking the way it, you know, it kind of told the story out of order. It was like three inter- inter- intersecting storylines, each from a different chronology and just visually, right. you know, <laughs> glued you to the edge of your seat. So I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck in Berlin, but based on how everything else is breaking, I think it's Del Toro's for the win. All right, that sounds like uh, sounds like a good prediction there. I'm, I'm I think I'm with you on that one. So let's go back up to last the grand but not finale. Least we're gonna <laughs> yeah, the grand finale. Okay, drum roll, and that leads us to best picture. So you've got uh, there's quite a few of them here. Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour. Then we have Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird. Phantom Thread, The Post, and The Shape of Water, and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. So talk about your prediction there. Yeah, honestly, William, this is, I think, the hardest one to predict yeah. um, this year. I, I can't remember an Oscar year that's been this wide open in, in the best picture category. You know, usually there's a couple front runners that really charge ahead and, you know, like last year with La La Land, even though that was upset. Um, but, you know, usually there's those two horses or something you think could do it. But I, I'd say like a good four or five had to have a shot at them by the end of the night. So it, it, while while the acting categories might be a little predictable, I think it's definitely worth – sticking around to the bitter end watching the broadcast uh, to, to see what, because I think it could be a wild, a wild finish here. It's, re- it's really hard to predict this year. Um, I think if, if you had to, you know, handicap it as, you know, gambling odds-wise, I think the smart money is on um, either three billboards um, or Shape of Water. Uh, three billboards won Best Picture Drama at the Globes. It won the top prize at SAG, at BAFTAs. Um, and then Shape of Water won the top prize at the Producers Guild, Directors Guild, Broadcast Film Critics. Um, it even leads the way Sunday with 13 total Oscar nominations. So I think it, it'd be stupid to bet against either of them. I mean, they, the track record's there. They've been winning all the big prizes. So, you know, the smart money is on one of those two. But I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little crazy on you, William. Uh, hear me out. <laughs> I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that the the way that the Oscars have done it, I think they changed this about five ten years ago, maybe maybe less than that, maybe five years ago. They do it where they've gone to these preferential ballots where the voters rank their favorites one to nine, and and each one is kind of weighted as such. So you know if you have a lot of second place votes, third place votes, you could o- potentially overcome uh, you know let's say a more polarizing movie like three billboards, which some people kind of found a little insensitive or mean spirited in it, or the shape of water, which is about, you know, a, um, you know, a mute woman having sex with a fish. Um, some people found that bizarre. So it's very possible yeah. that three billboards, three billboards and shape of water might get a lot of number one votes in that preferential ranking, but maybe the, maybe some of the people that found them a little polarizing might also vote them towards the bottom of that, like seven, eight, nine. And if that's the case, we could see yeah. um, some some of these, um, let's say, smaller genre movies like a like a Get Out or or a Lady Bird that are pretty uni- universally um, 
beloved and respected that might get a lot of second or third place votes and 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 some first place votes as well from people that really love those movies. I, I love Get Out and Lady Bird. I would put them towards the top of my ranking. So I think that I think right. that preferential ballot here could really factor in. And I actually think that's what happened last year with with Moonlight. I think La La Land was the front runner. You know, it set records at the Golden Globes and tied the Oscar nominations record and everything thought that was going to be a wave. But what a lot of people didn't realize was was that La La Land was was kind of polarizing, like I'm saying. Like, there's for everyone that voted it number one, there were some people that that just hated it and put it at the bottom. Like, maybe musicals weren't their thing or or whatnot. So, um, so so yeah. And I think that's what allowed Moonlight, which probably was coming in around you know one, two, and three on this ranking, and a lot of people. I think that allowed it to to beat it. So I actually I'm gonna get cra- crazy on you and, and say that. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that three billboards in Shape of Water kind of split the vote and, and get some of those polarizing preferential ballots that, you know, voters rank them, you know, some vote them high and some vote them low. And I think that like a, a number two, second place kind of a thing charges ahead and makes a late surge. And uh, I think it, I think a Lady Bird or a Get Out could come through. So if I had to, let's get crazy and let's say, uh, let's say sort of like Moonlight scored the upset last year over the front runner. I'm going to think Get Out is going to do it and be the first horror flick to win since Silence of the Lambs. Call me nuts, but I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go on a limb and go with Get Out. <laughs> wow, is there any, any percentage of probability you want to put on that, Jason? <laughs> I would say the yeah. odds are not in the odds are not in my favor on that one. <laughs> but wow. I don't want to. I don't want to be boring on your show and, and say that the company line of you know three billboards and shape of water because that I mean they're winning everything. Those seem like the said bet. But I just wanna. I just wanna throw a little fuel in the fire here and say that um, you know it, get out. It broke a lot of rules in terms of um, well, first that that a February movie couldn't be a, a big blockbuster. You know, it used to be all the, the bad movies were buried earlier in the year and all the Oscar contenders came out, you know, towards the end of the year. But Get Out kind of proved that wrong and has, has stuck around in the consciousness for um, for a, the greater part of a Well, a year now. It came out last February. I actually saw it when I was out covering the Oscars last year and I went and saw it like the next day. And so usually, you know, you think, oh, here's a horror comedy, Jordan Peele, you know, from Key and Peele. This will be fun, but you, you're not expecting to get an Oscar contender at that point. And as I'm watching it, I'm noticing all these subliminal things where, you know, he, he's he's picking cotton in order to, to get out. Remember, he puts the cotton in his ears. You know, that, that has symbolic meaning. The deer antlers had symbolic meaning. There's a scene in the middle of the movie where, Daniel Kaluuya is wearing blue and his girlfriend's wearing a, a red and white striped shirt. And when you put them side by side, the blue and the red and white stripes, it, they make the American flag. There's so many, there's so many lines about the, the, the groundskeepers. And you know, when our grandparents died, we couldn't bear to let them go. And you think they're just talking about, Oh, we couldn't bear to let go of the, the, the groundskeepers. No, they really mean through this soul transfer thing <laughs> that they couldn't let the grandparents go. And, and actually, in the groundskeeper's body. There's so many things when you see it sec- second, third, fourth, fifth time that you realize yeah. that, wow, okay, there's more to this than just a suspenseful ride. It elevates it to, in my book, like, you know, like a sixth sense where it's a suspenseful ride, but then it holds up and, and reveals more layers on second and third viewing. Or the great Hitchcock movies, which were, he was the master of suspense the first time you watch it. Yeah. But underneath the, ro- underneath the roller coasters, when you're watching, I mean, here we are 
you know, decades later, and we're finding all these symbolic colors in the costumes and stuff in the background and all these symbolic subtext that I think Get Out has. So to me, even if it's not the odds-on favorite, I think decades from now, this will be the movie from this year that, that we're still talking about um, in terms of just pop culture zeitgeist, you know? And above all, it, all this happened in an, a, a, a streaming era where, where so many people are streaming content from, from their homes. This was a movie that kind of reminded us how fun it was to go out to the theater and to, you know, actually to, if you want to make the title of the movie into a pun, it reminded us why we should get out, you know, why we should get out to the theater. Um, so, so for so many reasons, um, and we haven't even mentioned that, you know, the, the diversity angle on this too, because there's so much else to talk about, but the Academy is more expanded um, in, in, in the amount of, you know, races and genders that, that can vote here, um, which benefited Moonlight last year. So for many reasons, I, I, I think it, I mean, while it's a crazy pick, I don't think it's all that crazy. I think we could see it. So I'm, I'm rooting for the, for the upset, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, maybe I need to see it again and put on my film critic eyes. I mean, Jason, you just amaze me how you, you can see all these things. When I saw it, I remember telling somebody uh, that uh, I, I thought it was good, not great, because I, I, I guess maybe right. I just look at the surface level of it's just sure. a ho-hum horror movie with racial overtones, and it's like, right, right. Uh, it's, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't blown away. Maybe I need to go back and look at it. Well, that, I absolutely yeah. would because, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it the first time, but I, I have to say that that the it's one of those that repays on repeat viewings. Like, one, once you know the ending, um, which was pretty graphic, let's face it, that's when it became a full-on horror movie. But once you know yeah. the ending of, 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 of that sort of twist, you, you kind of see, you can appreciate sort of all the breadcrumbs that have been planted all the way through um, foreshadowing that. So I just, I came to admire it. Um, it was kind of always in sort of my top, you know, five of the year, top three-ish because I enjoyed it. But the more I watched it, it rose and rose and rose to the point where I'm like, you know what? That might actually be the one we're still talking about when all this is said and done decades from now. So, you know, the sunken place and stirring the teacup. Like, I think people would kind of be talking about those in pop culture for, for years to come in a way that, I don't know, call me by your name, we won't be talking about it or something like, you know, some phantom thread or something like that. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say give it another chance. Um, but but to your point, I bet a lot of voters felt the same way that you did as well, and were like, yeah, good, but not great, you know, just off that initial viewing. So if they vote if they vote on that, then my whole prediction is probably blown to pieces. But <laughs> three billboards in shape of water is probably your safe bet. But if you want if you want sort of an underdog dark horse, I would not rule out Get Out. I think it could be a, a fun uh, end of the show to see to see if we have an upset brewing. Man, I'm so excited for the Oscars this Sunday. Well, Jason, it's been fantastic, man. It's always great to have you on. If you have time, I'd really like to have you come on for like maybe a summer preview show. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Every couple months, we'll we'll find a big topic and we'll we'll uh, we'll riff on movies because I know you know your stuff, and so it's, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, Jason, will you have a productive rest of the day? Thank you, sir. Okay. Talk with you later. All right, everybody. Remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Night.
Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find out 